for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 35, and I am recording on Saturday, October 31st. I have a little Halloween tickle in my throat, but other than that, try to make this very uneventful Halloween a bit more exciting. We had an exciting week as the Dodgers won the Baseball World Series. Our house was pretty happy about it. And it's feeling a little bit more like fall here in LA. The weather's a bit cooler, and my sweaters might actually get worn this season. And if you're listening to this the day it comes out, which is Monday, then tomorrow is the big election, and my stomach is in knots in anticipation. So I hope everyone gets out there and votes if you haven't done so already. My 14-year-old landed himself in the ER a week ago. He's fine. This is nothing new to us as a family. We've had many visits to the ER. Um, He had a skateboarding accident, and we thought his foot was broken, but it's not broken. So he skateboards. He does ice hockey. So we've had our fair share of broken bones, but I was very impressed with the emergency room. They got us in and out of there in a little bit over an hour, and... uh, We were home in time for a socially distanced happy hour. My son actually went into school yesterday for the first time this year. He went in a small pod of 12, and it was just nice for them to be on campus for the day. They just did their Zooms uh, together in a pod, and it was nice to have him spend the day with people his own age instead of his parents all day, all the time. Now for some bookish news. I read a very depressing article in the New York Times about independent bookstores. It talked about how even though book sales are up 6% for the year, which is amazing, it's not actually helping indie bookstores because books aren't being sold through independent bookstores, or I guess the highest sales aren't happening through independent bookstores. So for example, Roman's bookstore is uh, in Pasadena. And it's been around for 126 years, and it has over 200 employees. Um, And I guess normally, in a normal year, it brings about 300 to 400 events, author events in for readings and signings and stuff like that. But obviously, none of that is happening this year. They've moved a lot of their events online to virtual events, which I go to plenty of book virtual events, and most of them... Uh, make no revenue from them. And I know my own local independent bookstore, Diesel Books in Santa Monica, has a GoFundMe page that you can contribute to, but they're also really struggling to stay afloat. And I will put a link in the show notes to the GoFundMe page if you are compelled to do so. So I think the bottom line this year is that if books are on your holiday shopping list, please get them from an independent bookstore and not that other place. You know what I'm talking about. I am currently working my way through Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, which I will talk about on the show once I finish, but I just found out that Ava DuVernay will direct Netflix adaptation of the book. And Netflix is adapting everything, including Ruman Alam's new thriller, Leave the World Behind. The Memory Police, which I've talked about on the show by Yoko Ogawa, is also being adapted into a film. And I believe Charlie Kaufman is going to be the screenwriter. If you're sitting around with a heap of money to drop on a home in Manhattan, you can purchase Toni Morrison's former loft. She originally purchased the loft in 2014, and it's now for sale for a cool $4.75 million. 
I have looked at the photos online and it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm going to link it up in the show notes in case you want to picture what Toni Morrison might have looked like writing in her home. And now, on to the books. My first pick today is Transcendent Kingdom by Yah Jessie. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That is what the bookish world is saying her name is pronounced, so I hope I got it right. Uh, Jessie's first novel, Homegoing, originally was published in 2016, and it was a phenomenal read, and I have been eagerly awaiting her sophomore book. And by the way, I lent that book to someone. I lent Homegoing to someone a long time ago, and they never gave it back, and I don't remember who I gave it to. So if you're listening, and you're a friend of mine, and you borrow books from me, and you happen to have an errant copy of Homegoing laying around, feel free to bring it back. It's one of those books that I definitely want to keep. Homegoing was a story about a family told through interconnected stories of slaves and then uh, the generations that came after. And Transcendent Kingdom is also a novel that revolves around threads of identity and family, but told in a more conventionally literary way but not in a more linear way. So the novel centers around Gifty, who is a neuroscience student in graduate school at Stanford, where she performs experiments on mice in order to study their brains. The novel bounces around to various memories of Gifty's life, her relationship with her brother, who became addicted to Oxy after a basketball injury, and the ways in which her life diverged from her brother's, the fact that her father left the family when she was young, and her mother's struggles with depression. Gifty grew up in Alabama, while her mother is an immigrant from Ghana, and Gifty begins her time in higher education at Harvard, unable to escape racism there. There are a multitude of discussions throughout the text, including class, race, and gender, as well as a really interesting look at science vis-a-vis religion that I found incredibly compelling. But it's also compelling on a smaller scale in terms of how Gifty sees herself and learns to see herself apart from her mother. The writing is beautiful, but seemingly sparser than in Homegoing. And again, that's Transcendent Kingdom by Yah Jesse. Next up is White Ivy by Susie Yang, and this book comes out tomorrow. This was an intriguing suspense novel, and I wanted to give a special thank you to Simon & Schuster and to NetGalley for the advanced review copy. This book begins as a coming-of-age story about Ivy Lin. She is a Chinese immigrant whose parents maintain very high aspirations for her. They want her to become a doctor, and they won't settle for anything less. Ivy is not turning out to be what her parents have envisioned, and instead she's becoming really talented at stealing things. This is a talent she learned from her grandmother. Her grandmother literally said, hey, this is how you steal things. In sixth grade, Ivy transfers to an elite school because of her father's job there, and it's here that she meets the enigmatic Gideon Spear. He is a blue-blooded boy of privilege whose father is in politics. She becomes obsessed, trailing him around like a puppy dog at school. And he is a far cry from Rue, Ivy's rough-around-the-edges neighbor, who knows uh, and to an extent understands her habit of stealing things. One night in sixth grade, she lies to her parents about where she's sleeping. She says she's going to a friend's house when she's really going to a sleepover party. 
at Gideon Spears, and her parents catch her and yank her out of the school and away from Gideon. This is only the very beginning of the book. Then the book jumps forward in time to Ivy's new life as a teacher in New York City, where she has a chance run-in with Gideon's sister, and she's thrust back into the whole their whole world. It's a slower buildup to when the story takes off, but I found the book riveting and a departure from a conventional thriller. This book looks at identity and immigration, class and race, and while none of the characters in the novel are wholly likable, it didn't make the book any less readable. And again, that is White Ivy by Susie Yang. Next up is Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. He is the author of A Man Called Ove, which people absolutely loved, and I had absolutely no interest in reading it, not because people loved it, but I remember reading the back of the book and thinking that it looked kind of annoying. Um, I'm probably totally wrong, but everyone that I know has loved that book, but I'm just being stubborn, but that's okay. Anyhow, I read Bachman's latest book, Anxious People, and in this book, there's a bank robbery in a town in Sweden that uh, has gone wrong, bank robbery gone wrong. The robber is desperate for money in order to pay the rent, but the bank, as it turns out, is cashless. So the robber flees and ends up in a nearby apartment building trying to hide, but they end up um, at an open house with no other option. Uh, but to take all the people at the open house hostage. The book then kind of zooms in and out on all of the hostages who are at this open house, as well as the father-son duo who are the police officers involved in the incident. The story moves back and forth in time from the interviews with hostages after the event ends to uh, the event actually unfolding in real time. This shared event that they experience offers many different perspectives, and it's an excellent exercise in point of view for any writers out there who are listening. The narration is casual and a little bit prone to meandering, but I was happy to go along with him on all of the asides as they provided insight into the many characters that we learn about. And again, that is Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. Next up is How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America by Kiese Lehman. This comes out on November 10th, but you should all pre-order it now because it's absolutely phenomenal. And a special thank you to Scribner and NetGalley for the advanced review copy. Kiese Lehman, I believe, is one of the most important living American writers. This is a collection of 13 essays, and it's revised from his original collection that was published in 2013. And he actually talked about the process of re-releasing his material in the book. He had to actually purchase the rights back from the original publisher for something like 10 times more than he was originally paid. In this updated version, Lehman includes six new and timely essays, including his opening essay that talks about coronavirus and our current political climate. Born and raised in Mississippi, Lehman writes about his connection to the state, as well as his experiences living as a black man in academia in the South. He looks at football and hip-hop, family relations, and personal experiences through the lens of race, class, politics, and as I mentioned, COVID in America. His intelligence, humor, and honesty shine through each essay. They're smart, moving, and powerful. And I was talking to a friend about him because my friend went to Oberlin and 
uh, Kiese went to Oberlin and I said, hey, did you know this guy? And he said, yes, I did know him and I hung out with him before. Um, so that was kind of cool. How to slowly kill yourself and others in America should be required reading in this country. And having only read his book Heavy, I am now eager to read everything that Lehman has ever written. And again, that is How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America by Kiese Lehman. My last pick for today is Miss Iceland by Odor Eva Olafsdotter. So this book is a perfect example of how I'm so glad I didn't go with my assumption from the back cover. The blurb on the back talks about how this book is about a woman in Iceland who's being recruited for the Miss Iceland pageant. The blurb on the back talks about how a woman in Iceland is being recruited for the Miss Iceland pageant. I read that and I was like, no thanks, that's not for me. But then I heard someone raving about the book, so I read it. And while there is just a tiny thread about Miss Iceland, this book really has nothing to do with that. And furthermore, it's an amazing book. I know I always go on and on about how much I like books written by non-American authors, but I really do, and this book was no exception. So Hecla, who is the protagonist, is a young intellectual who wants to become a writer. But every aspiring writer around her is male. It's 1963, and all of the people at the writer's cafe she walks by are male. She wanders the city, reading James Joyce's Ulysses, and trying to write her own novel. Yes, she is beautiful, and in Reykjavik, a man does approach her and say that he's recruiting beautiful women for a beauty competition, and he will take them to America and take care of them and offer them all these opportunities. Um, And he does make an appearance more than once, but that's really all with the Miss Iceland thread. She gets a job waitressing. Her best friend, John, is a fisherman who is in the closet and endures harsh trips on rough seas. Both she and John are marginalized, John by his sexuality and Helga because of her gender, from the spaces that they wish to inhabit. She has another friend who's trying to balance motherhood, and Helga has fallen for a local poet who is allowed in all of the spaces where she wants to be. Um, And she feels that around him, she really has to hide her own uh, aspirations of becoming a writer. Even though this takes place in Iceland, the 60s in the United States is very much a backdrop to what is happening in her novel in terms of the civil rights movement. I loved every second of this novel. I didn't want it to end. It was at times bleak, at times inspiring, and Helga is definitely a character you want to cheer on. And again, that is Miss Iceland by Odor Eva Olafsdotter. Up next for me is the novel We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen, and next time author Kitty Cook will be here to discuss her wildly funny novel, Sleeping Together. I know it's the end of the program, but I forgot to mention an event that I'll be participating in on Thursday, November 12th at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. I am going to be visiting the Shoreline Community College uh, Library virtually, of course. I'm going to be talking about what makes a successful beginning to a novel, as well as share a few short excerpts from the starts of some of my short fiction stories in order to help new writers get started with their NaNoWriMo journeys. NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month, which began November 1st, and I will leave a link to this free event in the show notes. 
All of the books I recommended today are listed in the show notes section and at booksaremypeople.com with a link through to my bookshop.org store, Books Are My People. I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week. I wish everyone good luck tomorrow in the election and stay safe out there.